Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Late last night, folks, we got news that Earl G. Graves Sr., founder of Black Enterprise, the company that focused on entrepreneurship and black business, died at 9.22 p.m. Eastern at the age of 85. His son and current BE CEO, uh, Earl Butch Graves Jr., tweeted that he passed away quietly after a long battle with Alzheimer's. Graves was first launched Black Enterprise in 1970 in an effort to cover black businesses and also to provide business strategies to the magazine's readership. His efforts paid off. As of 2019, the magazine reaches 4 million readers. They also have numerous conferences 
all across the country. Graves went on to create Earl G. Graves Limited, the parent company of Earl G. Graves Publishing Company, which produces Black Enterprise Magazine. Butch Graves Jr. became the CEO in 2006, though Sr. remained as chairman. In addition to his work in media, he also served as CEO of Pepsi-Cola, uh, one of their bottle, uh, bottle distributors between 1990 and 1998. Accolades have been pouring in on social media, as you see from the tweets we're showing you right now, folks. Uh, here's some of those tweets. Go ahead and pull them up, please. Uh, of course, in the, uh, you see right here, Cornell William Brooks, former CEO of the NAACP. Uh, this is from the Congressional Black Caucus Institute. Uh, they're giving their condolences to Earl Graves. Uh, this is Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, also talk about uh, the impact of uh, Earl, Earl Graves. Uh, and then this is the tweet, of course, from his son, Butch Graves Jr., announcing his passing, uh, his Maya Cummings, uh, the widow of Congressman Elijah Cummings uh, as well, who's running for his seat. And, of course, National Urban League paid tribute to Earl, Earl Graves as well. Folks, I'm going to go back to Ron um, Busby, please. Uh, of course, I was talking. I was talking to Ron. Ron, of course, is president of U.S. Black Chambers Inc. Ron, uh, just share share with uh, for our folks watching how vital Earl Graves was to the development and the fostering of Black entrepreneurship across this country. There's a saying for for brothers, men that are in the hundred black men that we can't be what we can't see, or we can be what we see. So many African Americans saw the future of black business through black enterprise. We were able to flip through the pages and see our future as well as our present. He was not only the editor, the business owner, but a visionary and allowed that vision to transpire to black people across the globe. You have had young people, people in other countries all recognize what he has done for our community. And for that, we will always and forever be indebted. Uh, personally, I was able to meet him so many different times as a small business owner. I was in his uh, top 100. That gave us the accolades that other companies around the country said, hey, if they're good enough to be recognized by Black Enterprise, they're good enough to do business with our firm. And I think so many of us don't get that acknowledgement uh, from regular uh organizations, Black Enterprise was that entity that allowed us to showcase who we are, what we do, and more importantly, what we can do when we're given the opportunity. All of us here at U.S. Black Chamber, as well as our 145 chamber presidents around the country, truly will be missing him for, for lifetimes, and uh, we look forward to continuing his success uh, by his son as well as other business owners across the country. Uh, again, when you talk about um, seeing it uh, and profiling in those pages, uh, and I'm going to pull up in a second, I mean, if you, if you look at, um, in terms of that growth, I mean, you're talking about exponential growth going from 1972 to where we are present day. Yeah, I remember in 72, and I was uh, just a young guy back in Oakland, California, and my parents used to bring the, the, the magazine home, leave it on our mantle, leave it on the kitchen table, and my sister and I would read through uh, and just see ideas of businesses that we never knew that we owned. Uh, and because of that, it just gave so many young people, as well as business owners, that drive to say, you know, hey, if there's somebody across the country doing it, uh, that it's going to provide me that vision, that competitiveness, that I can do it as well. And for that, man, he just allowed all of us to grow, uh, not only 
black enterprise growth, not just through his events, but it also allowed other magazines like Essence Magazine, like so many other local black establishments to also be able to get their voices out there because they understood that black people were consumers. Um, and so they marketed to us where they had never really had a vision of marketing to black people before, but it also allowed us to tell our stories of our own consumerism, our, our own consumer dollars, as well as our own business acumen. All right, then. Uh, Ron Busby, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, I'm going to go to this chart right here. Go to my iPad, please, just so you understand. Uh, and, and so this is the chart here. These are the number of black-owned businesses uh, that when Black Enterprise started. You see this chart, 1972. There were 187,602 black-owned businesses. Uh, in 2012, the number was around 2.58 million. Uh, it sits now around uh, 6 million, excuse me, uh, 2.6 million. Uh, and so uh, I am not attributing uh, all of that growth uh, to Earl Graves, but I can guarantee you uh, seeing the stories, seeing all of the different ways in order to grow a business in black enterprise, certainly uh, I think you can, uh, you can, you can do that. Uh, right now I want to go to the phone lines. Bob Brown, he was uh, one of the folks who worked al uh, uh, alongside, uh, okay, okay. Okay, we have Alfred Edmonds. Sorry, I was going to go to Bob. Y'all told me Bob is on here. So Alfred Edmonds, of course, he's longtime staff writer with Black Enterprise, editor there. Alfred, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Uh, doing good. Certainly uh, is a sad day for all the folks in the Black Enterprise family uh, losing the patriarch uh, of the magazine. Yes, um, but as I've been sharing with uh, so many people, former employees, former interns, entrepreneurs, executives, I mean, he touched so many lives. You know, you, you take that scripture, um, um, weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And uh, while we are certainly hurt, um, we are also um, fully embracing the opportunity to celebrate um, all that he has contributed. And, and um, that celebration will go on for some time because it's almost hard to put into uh, words and or a single tribute all that he has done in the, and the impact of his legacy. Explain to, to folks really how much of a towering figure he is. Uh, in a moment, we're going to hear from Linda Johnson Rice. I interviewed her earlier. And I said, frankly, if you were creating a Mount Rushmore for, uh, for black media, uh, it would be John H. Johnson, it would be uh, Earl Graves, and it would be, of course, uh, the founders, uh, Ed Lewis and others of Essence Magazine. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you know, the, the, the best way I saw it put a couple of days ago, I mean, a couple of days, a, couple, a few hours ago, was um, Earl Graves taught us what black excellence was before there was black Twitter. I mean, he, he represented excellence in how he presented himself. He represented excellence in terms of what he uh, believed in for black people um, around the world and black Americans in particular. Um, and from a personal standpoint, and those of us who worked with him and for him, he believed in us as examples of black excellence. So, you, you, you know, he, he, he uh, really communicated right away that if you were working with him or for him, he expected great things from you and you, you were willing to run through brick walls to deliver for him. And that was kind of a universal impact he had on everybody who, who uh, knew him, worked for him, worked with him. Um, you know, it, 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 the impact is just hard to put into um, a few sentences um, when you talk about that that expectation of excellence and that being part of the heritage of being what it means to be an African-American. 
The BE100s, of course, the list of the top 100 black-owned businesses, uh, it was a huge creation. When you think about Fortune lists, when you think about these other different lists, uh, what, it did, what it really did was serve as a barometer for many of these black-owned businesses, but also it sent a signal to the rest of the country that there were black folks who owned companies that were at scale, and as, as uh, Ron Busby just said, it allowed other companies to be able to say, oh, here folks we could actually partner with. Well, it did several things. One, prior to the BE100s list, nobody measured um, the, the rankings of the largest black-owned companies in any way. I mean, we all knew in our individual communities, the black-owned funeral home, the black-owned retail outlets, the barbershops, but no one really categorized in a real significant way the economic impact of these businesses. The second thing it did is, is made them aware of each other, which created a community and a network that's necessary for all um, businesses to grow. You don't grow without those kinds of relationships. So it, it brought together nationally an awareness that we do have a legacy as, of entrepreneurs. Um, eventually, it became a good housekeeping seal of approval as corporations were looking for credible businesses to, to uh, establish relationships with through supplier diversity and other things. And making the BE100s list kind of became almost a good housekeeping seal of approval. It at least was a starting point for major corporations to identify um, um, black-owned businesses and entrepreneurs that they could do business with. And all of that spurred um, what you talked about a little earlier, the ex um, exponential growth of black-owned businesses over the last, you know, 30 to 40 years, uh, because all those things came together to put black business on the map. No longer could corporations say, oh, I'd love to do business with African-American community, but I can't find qualified businesses to do it. Um, the black, the BE100s list in particular took that away and created um, even more wealth in the black community as a result. Obviously, we know about him uh, you know, professionally. Um, uh, just give folks a sense of what it was like personally for you. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, his, his impact on us as young people, I got hired at Black Enterprise at age 26. My 27th birthday was a few days after I got hired. He was a big believer in getting the best and brightest young people he could find in putting us in positions of positions of authority and responsibility, trusting in our talent, knowing we would make some mistakes, but getting out of our way and let us grow. And if you look at the roster of current and former Black Enterprise employees, interns, editors, salespeople, and, and the, how we've gone on to do great things in our own careers, that was because Mr. Gray's, he didn't just talk about investing in, in young black people. He really believed in it. Um, I would, took over the magazine at age, you know, I, was in, I wasn't even 35 yet. Uh, Earl, Cheryl Hilliard Tucker, who was, was made uh, the leader of the magazine when she was in her late 20s. Um, and, and I could you know, name person after person, Derek Dingle and others, who we got the reins of authority in our, in, in, in our early 20s. And that went to our interns who are long going on to do great things. The second thing was, was great is that it was fun to work for. I mean, you took a certain amount of pride in realizing that we were among the best of the best. We walked around knowing we were among the best of the best because you don't last long at Black Enterprise if you don't believe that and you don't deliver that. But also, he has a great sense of humor. He just so so much fun. You know, we, we, we laugh a lot and joke a lot at BE, and that's part of because we had a CEO who, who believed in people, you know, ha you know, having fun and having a good time even as we were doing serious work and, and working really hard to deliver excellence every day. Did, so it was always a fun place to work, um, you know, especially you know, back in the day when I was young. But did you ever say, Mr. Gray, when are you going to cut them lamb chops? Not me. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you ain't getting that from me, bro. Uh, I, I had the pleasure of, of editing his column, uh, award-winning column, and won a number of NABG awards, as well as other awards on the publisher's page um, that he had continued even up until only a few years ago when he stopped doing it. And, and so I got to, like, literally sit at his, at his, at his, at his feet um, you know, at least once a month, more than that, because I had to work with him on, on his column and what he wanted to say and how he wanted to say it. And, 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 and just some of the most treasured moments of my life to be able to, to learn from him, to, 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 to uh, see how he thought, um, and to really see his authentic passion for people. Um, and not just the most important people, not just presidents and CEOs. This is a man that, um, you know, bell caps and, and waiters and and, uh, you know, just, you know, FedEx delivery men um, got the same kind of attention from him and, and therefore loved him just as much because he was authentic all the way up and down the line, whether you were supposedly famous and important or you were just a regular guy just trying to make a living. Last question for you, uh, if I'm correct, Black Enterprise also uh, was the first uh, black magazine to put Obama on the cover, uh, him calling for Obama to run for president. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another great example of, you know, me and uh, Butch Graves, the current CEO, the oldest son of, of Mr. G and Derek Dingle, we often joke that often uh, we, Mr. Graves is probably saying, what are you guys doing? But <laughs> joking aside, he trusted us. And, and when we suggested to him that uh, we had another cover plan for that first issue that he was on the cover and, and um, Barack Obama was on, I think, five covers in total, ultimately. Uh, but the first cover when he was running, for, or that was the second cover, actually, when he was running for president, um, you know, uh, we, we went out on the limb and said, we think we can win this thing. And that was before it was apparent to the rest of the nation that that was a possibility. Um, Mr. Graves trusted our judgment, um, um, you know, gave me and Butch and Derek his blessings, and we went forward and put him on the cover, and it turned out to be pressing it. But that's just another example of how um, Mr. Graves really walked the walk of saying, I hire my people. I believe in my people. They're the best and the brightest you can get. Uh, and he bet on us, and he won a lot because he bet on us, and we believed in ourselves because he believed in he believed in us. All right, Alfred Edmonds, but man, it was always appreciated. Certainly, our uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all of the employees of Black Enterprise. He certainly was a towering figure, uh, someone who was greatly respected uh, not only in the magazine business but certainly within the space uh, of Black media. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, folks, joining us right now is Bob Brown. Bob uh, was a close associate, confident, board member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference under Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Then he went to go work for the Nixon administration uh, as his uh, top black aide. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing, Roland? Bob, it was always good talking with you. When I interviewed you a few weeks ago, I had not finished your book. Of course, uh, your book is right here. You can't go wrong doing right. Uh, a uh, how a child of poverty rose to the White House and helped change the world by Robert J. Brown. And in this book, you talk about uh, Earl Graves. And in this book, you, you talk about the creation uh, of the Office of Minority Business Enterprise uh, within the Department of Commerce under uh, Richard Nixon. Uh, and uh, you, you say here, I'm going to read this here, we took a lot of flack from Democrats and other skeptics who claimed Nixon didn't care about black America. Still, even some diehard Democrats knew that blacks inside the Nixon, Nixon administration 
were quietly pushing the agenda endorsed by Dr. King. One of those in the know was my old friend Earl G. Graves, who was a leading black Democrat at the forefront of pushing for black entrepreneurship and economic growth. He saw that with the OMBE, Nixon was reaching out with a program unlike others. Uh, thank goodness you were there because he was about $100,000 short of raising the money to launch Black Enterprise, uh, and you had to fight a lot of white folks who were like, Bob, we are not giving to this black man. <laughs> yeah, Roland, you're right. Uh, Earl, I, I go back a long way with Earl. Uh, when he got out of the military, you know, Earl was uh, uh, a top military guy, and he was really gung-ho. And um, he uh, came to work with me at the, uh, uh, at the Federal Bureau of Narcotics in uh, the New York office. Uh, he was, uh, we worked in the same group there. And there were very few blacks there at the time. And, and uh, Earl, Earl came in from the first day he made a statement there at the Bureau. And uh, he was, we became close friends. Uh, we traveled together. He used to visit me here in North Carolina all the time with uh, his wife, Barbara, and his sons uh, uh, when they were little boys. And then he uh, called me one day and said he was uh, uh, going to get black, he was going to start Black Enterprise, and he was going to do a lot of this and a lot of that. And I said, well, I'll be supportive. And uh, but even before then, uh, we worked with Robert Kennedy together. Earl was uh, was uh, administrative assistant to uh, Mr. Kennedy in New York, and we worked in his campaign together until he was killed. And uh, uh, then we all got together at Earl's place uh, on Long Island. And uh, along with Johnny Ford and several of us who were working with him, Johnny Ford, the uh, mayor of uh, Tuskegee, Alabama, and uh, we decided uh, that we were going to do different kinds of things. Uh, Earl and those uh, stayed with uh, uh, the campaign at that time, uh, the Democratic campaign of Humphrey, and um, I decided to uh, to go with Nixon uh, with some of my friends, my other friends, and uh, it was it was quite a time. We remained friends. Uh, did we lose Bob there, folks? Uh, let me know. I'm, um, uh, let me know when y'all got Bob back. Uh, and so this is what Bob writes in his book. I encourage him to apply for one of the first OMBE grants when word got out that Earl Graves, a big Democrat and a frequent critic of Nixon, um, had applied for the grant that was heated opposition from partisan Republican operatives who didn't want it approved. I argued forcefully that Earl wanted the same things we wanted for black America and that if we helped him develop his business, he would support, he would support economic development in the black community. They told me I was nuts, not to mention naive and probably numbskull too. My final response was process his damn application, Bob. That's exactly what I told him, and they processed it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, he got the money, and uh, it uh, it helped to launch him uh, uh, forevermore. He was a, he was a great human being. He was my friend. 
for many, 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 many years. Uh, we worked together. We did a lot of things together uh, in politics and business. And uh, he was a magnificent human being. And uh, I will always remember him fondly. Bob Brown, it was a pleasure uh, talking with you, man, uh, to reflect back uh, on the life and legacy of Earl Graves Sr. Of course, that photo right there is a photo of you, of Johnny Ford and Earl Graves uh, enjoying a huge laugh there. So uh, it's always been uh, great talking with you. Well, it, 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 if you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to lift up our people, uh, it doesn't make any difference between Democrats and Republicans. I've worked on both sides, and wherever we work, we've got to be for our people. We've got to lift up our people. Yes, indeed. Bob Brown, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. All right, folks, joining us right now is uh, one of those other titans of black media, Ed Lewis, who was the co-founder of Essence Magazine. Uh, Ed, welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Roland, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great, sir. Just want to get uh, just your initial thoughts uh, on us losing one of our titans, uh, Earl Graves Sr. Well, you know, Black Enterprise started in August of 1970. Essence started in May of 1970. So we're both celebrating 50 years of, of publishing and doing something so meaningful, I think, for our community. And certainly I take my hat off to my dear friend, fellow publisher, we tried to make a difference with regard to how we were being dealt with uh, economically within our community. Give, uh, give folks, uh, give people an understanding uh, what what life was like, what was it like for startup magazines, black magazines, 1970, two years removed from the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr., uh, the tumultuous 60s. Uh, black media companies today are able to do deals with major advertisers. It was not easy for an Earl Graves Sr., for you at Essence or for John A. Johnson at Ebony? No, indeed. We were always fighting the fight to get accepted, particularly for the audience that we represented. Advertising was always an issue with regard to all our magazines, and we fought hard. One of the things I am deeply uh, feel very good about is the way Earl, uh, John Johnson, and I worked together, uh, going collectively to advertising agencies and to major corporations and selling them on the importance of black media, of black company. It wasn't about us individually uh, making efforts on our behalf. We wanted to make sure that black media uh, was heard and we wanted to get our fair share. So we worked together. And, and, and that idea of, of, of working together uh, is, was important because, you know, although y'all were, quote, competitors, you were also operating in different spaces. Uh, and so I'm quite sure uh, y'all all said, look, it make more sense for us to, uh, we, we all can't be in the same place at the same time, but we, we bond together. And so how often do the three of y'all actually strategize and meet and talk about how can we all get a piece of this pie? We met very often. We flew uh, either to Chicago or New York or wherever to meet uh, corporate America. Um, and we spoke on behalf of uh, black media because we knew that in the end, it's about uplifting our people, uplifting, uh, making opportunity for those of us working in business so that we all can enjoy this incredible American pie uh, that we help build and create for this country. 
Last question for you. Obviously, Black Enterprise focused on black business. Uh, and when you look at the growth of black businesses going from a little more than 100,000 in 1972 uh, to now 2.6 million, uh, I would dare say Black Enterprise played a critical role because when you look at the articles dealing with just basic stuff, how to start a business, loan processing, franchising, all of those things and being able to, as, uh, as Ron Busby said, being able to see people doing other things in other areas, uh, that had to cause somebody to have a, hey, wait a minute, I can do that as well. No doubt about it. We owe a great deal of debt to Black Enterprise for uh, showing us the way, uh, writing articles, how to, how to capitalize, how to start your own business, the importance of cash and helping to be uh, able to stay alive we're all important with regard to what Black Enterprise has done for so many Black businesses and for the African American community. Ed Lewis, co-founder of Essence Magazine. Uh, Ed, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so very much. My pleasure, my friend. Take care. All right, folks. Before I came live on the show, I had an opportunity to uh, uh, record an interview real quick when I was at home uh, with Linda Johnson Rice. She, of course, the daughter of Ebony Jet founder John H. Johnson. Here's our conversation about Earl Gray Senior. Linda, we've lost uh, another titan, uh, certainly one of our legends, and, and, and of course, in the black media space, uh, one of, frankly, the pillars. No question about that. First of all, Roland, thank you for having me on and asking me to talk about um, Earl Graves, an incredible icon, a giant of a man, a friend of my father, John Johnson, that's for sure, and someone that, um, for me, I've always looked up to and admired and respected. You know, the Johnsons and the Graves were always good friends. I mean, it, it goes back for, for decades. And so I think there's always been a great deal of respect and, and, and admiration for everything that Earl Graves and Black Enterprise and all of the offshoots of Black Enterprise that um, have developed over the years. We've always had a great respect and I've always had a great respect for him and for his family. And um, I had the great fortune to speak to his son Butch this morning and, and express my heartfelt sympathies to, to he and to his family. And when we think about uh, the role played, I mean, you look when you look at uh, history and culture, entertainment, when you think about Ebony, when you think about Essence targeting black women, when you think about black enterprise uh, with black business, I mean, really, you know, Ebony, Jet, Essence, Black Enterprise represents the Mount Rushmore, if you will, of black media. Yeah, that that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And. And, you know, Black Enterprise really came along and filled that void where there was, wasn't really a voice for business, just strictly for business. I mean, you had, obviously, you had white counterparts, you had Forbes magazine and Fortune magazine, but there was nothing really that was strictly for business for African-Americans, and voila, here's Black Enterprise. And they've just done a, a tremendous job of chronicling so many things that have happened, um, both good and bad, the trials and tribulations and the challenges that um, African-Americans have faced in black, uh, with black business. And that all is thanks to, to Earl Graves. I mean, he is the one who opened that door, who started to, to write about this and report about this and really help us to see ourselves as business people and to help us try to think about how to develop our own businesses.
practices, how to be entrepreneurs. And so that's what's so wonderful about Black Enterprise and about what Earl Graves really founded and started and that his son Butch continues. Uh, he also was someone who I think we would, that that people, if you're in black, if you're in the black media space today, whether it's black owned or black targeted, uh, you really have to, I believe, show appreciation to Earl Graves, to your father, because 1970, you're talking about two years after MOK is killed, uh, uh, corporate America, but, um, you know, okay, we're looking at black, but they, but they really went in. And one of the ones who were saying, no, 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 we have an audience here you should be advertising to. So when you look at people who are able to go out, I mean, the, the platform that I have, be able to go out and get sponsors. I mean, really, Earl Graves and John A. Johnson really were the ones who broke through those doors to get those meetings, to get these companies to understand there was value in the black consumer and they needed to advertise. Oh, there's no question about that. And you would be surprised how many times John Johnson and Earl Graves worked together to um, to really uh, break the doors down for um, mainstream marketing to really understand and mainstream companies to really understand understand the value of the African-American dollar. They weren't um, really rivals. They were really more friendly competitors and compatriots and really did work together on a lot of things. I'll tell you one quick story. My father served on the board of Chrysler Corporation for several years. And when it came time for him to retire, the one and only person that he recommended take his place was Earl Graves. And it did happen. <laughs> uh, I'm Absolutely. Sure, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, sure it did. I'm sure it did. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because he knew that Earl would continue to be a champion for African-Americans and that Earl would speak on their behalf in order to get their their just dollars that are deserved in the African-American community. Last question for you. You talked about Earl being uh, this big man. Physically, he was a big man. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I think for I think for a lot of people, uh, they all the lamb chops are also very intimidating uh, to a lot of people. <laughs> seeing this former, I think he was I think it was a Green Beret. And he was in Special Forces, you know, coming in uh, that voice and that presence. Yes, indeed, very. You would never forget him. Very imposing, very <laughs> imposing. But but I also think very um, warm and very engaging. And yes. He did lead with the lamb chops, which I loved. I loved that was so distinctly him. And so these are the ways that you remember somebody. These are their characteristics. These are the things that um, that are indelibly etched in your mind about him. The wonderful, wonderful man. All right. Linda Johnson, Rice, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. One of those young upstarts uh, who looked at what Earl Graves did and wanted to follow in his footsteps is Keith Plinkscales. Uh, Keith, uh, of course, that, uh, was uh, founded Vanguard Media, uh, had owned uh, Savoy Magazine, uh, as well as uh, Honey, uh, Heart and Soul. Uh, Keith, uh, I don't think people really, I mean, people who, they might read Black Enterprise, uh, but uh, an Earl Graves senior really meant something to those of us who committed ourselves to work in black media because of uh, all the barriers that they knocked down? Well, I mean, uh, Earl, he represented so much. Yeah, he was basically the person that helped to establish what black media should be about. He helped us get black executives. He helped us get black business. And more importantly, he taught us the importance of politics. 
you cannot make the things work unless you put all these things together. And he created quite a amount of influence. And when you talk about that, that, that influence, as somebody who, uh, who stepped out there, worked at Vibe magazine, then launched his own company, uh, share uh, just some of those conversations, uh, advice uh, you may have gotten. I mean, even though he was, look, you're a Kappa, I'm an Alpha, and he was in that other little fraternity, Omega Sci Fi. Uh, <laughs> and with, as a matter of fact, and I got to find, I got some photos. I, I can't find, they, they were not digital then, but I remember we were at some event, uh, and, and as his, I got, there's a photo of him, this huge laugh from him because we were joking about, of course, uh, him being Omega and me being Alpha. Well, um, I think very early on, Mr. Graves was kind of like the chairman. He was like the Don of, uh, of all this stuff. And uh, when I was at Vibe, uh, very early on, he spoke with me and I was so excited to, to really meet him and get to know him. And then his son, Butch, sat me down and kind of talked to me about the way things are in black media, and I felt that that was uh, important. And I, uh, from that whole time, I've been able to kind of be a part of the uh, black enterprise family. And most of that was led by Mr. Graves, making sure that not, I not only had opportunities to talk to Butch and what else was going on, but when other opportunities came forward, I was considered, and that was something that was important. Um, when you, 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 first of all, I've heard you say this now three times. You said Mr. Graves, and then, of course, you had uh, John H. Johnson called Mr. Johnson. Uh, yeah. there's, a level, there's a level of respect that, was, that has been afforded to both of them uh, because of their pioneering status in this space. Well, yeah, not just because of their pioneering status. I mean, what they did, Roland, I mean, you know how hard advertising is. You know how hard it is to run one of these businesses, and you Go back to 1970, as you so eloquently put, two years after King, uh, a lot of things, the black advertising that we've had today exists because of Mr. Johnson and Mr. Graves. They were, they were courageous. They would go sit in people's offices. They would explain the importance of this marketplace. So if we didn't have that, you wouldn't have anything today. I, I was fortunate to run uh, Vibe, but by the time that happened, you're talking about uh, almost 20, 20 something years of, uh, of essence, of black enterprise, of 30 years of ebony, and that helped to at least shape a marketplace. The thing that we have today where people understand the power of the black marketplace, it comes very early on from people like Mr. Graves making sure not only to talk about just the market, but making sure people got the opportunity for jobs, for positions. That's how that happened. And when you talk about creating uh, folks in other different spaces, uh, look, it was also validation of your business. If you were able to, to be in Black Enterprise, for those who are black journalists, the opportunities, whether to write for a BE, to write for an Ebony or Jet, to write for an Essence as well. Uh, and, and that's the thing I think people don't realize uh, those magazines served as a springboard for so many other different different spaces, and, and and not just in terms of whether you had a business or you were a journalist. I mean, look at the people who worked at PR firms, the people who worked in other uh, ancillary businesses, uh, this whole ecosystem that these magazines created. Yeah, and, and Roland, the, the other thing is just how 
black people expanded to other media, into radio and into television and having influence in different places where uh, the major advertisers were not as afraid of them because they got started to see the business uh, in working with people of color. When you think about what has happened, especially if you, you had uh, Ed Lewis on earlier, you look at how powerful Essence has made the black women's marketplace. A lot of that came from what Black Enterprise did in terms of speaking about markets, speaking about the opportunities for people, uh, showing black CEOs, uh, you know, showing people like Ken Ken Chenault. Where does Ken Chenault come from? Uh, um, Ray McGuire, you know, you, you see some of these executives come along, you know, uh, 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 Miss Hughes, you know, when you see all these people, they come through those pages, they come through that opportunity. This is a uh, it's, it's a, a sad day, but at the same time, it's the foundation of what we have. And, and that's something that uh, his family and Mr. Graves' legacy can be extremely proud of. All right, Keith, clean skills. We still appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, folks, right now, I want to play a video, actually, the Black Enterprise folks uh, put together on their YouTube channel, uh, saluting the founder of Black Enterprise, Earl Graves Sr. Here we go. He's a visionary. He had the determination, the will to carry that vision through. And uh, thank goodness for Earl Graves. Earl G. Graves Sr. mapped out his vision for the first African-American magazine 40 years ago. When my father started Black Enterprise, his vision was creating a publication that would provide how-to information for African-Americans to be successful in business as entrepreneurs. It's 1970. Money was tight for most African Americans. They were hungry for a way to build wealth and power. And Graves was ambitious and gutsy enough to deliver a way. The advertising world had never seen anyone like him. First off, he had a very unique look, which is his sideburns. But he also was a dashing figure. And when I say that, I say that, you know, with, with every level of respect. He was well-dressed, his presentation was polished, he knew exactly what he wanted to say. Um, and he was determined. Married with three young sons, the 35-year-old former assistant to Senator Robert F. Kennedy and former Green Beret never took no for an answer, making the publication profitable by its ninth issue. When my father went on sales calls, he went out with this unique sales toolkit. And so he'd open up his kit and he'd get to his first card and then he would take people through what is Black Enterprise about. I remember my father telling me a story in regards to how difficult it was for him to secure advertising. He went to go see a, um, a top advertising agency. One of the gentlemen looked at him and said, black people only drive used cars and drink half pints of liquor. Why would we want to advertise in black enterprise? And he said it infuriated him, but he was cool about it and he ultimately won the gentleman over and won the, the, the account over over a period of time. The fact that he's so authentic, I think that's why uh, businesses listen to him. I think that's why uh, the broader black community listens to him because everybody really respects what he says because they know he's really genuine about what he's saying. His vision has become a multi-million dollar media empire that now encompasses Black Enterprise Magazine, two award-winning television shows, a state-of-the-art website, 
iPad and mobile phone apps, world-class business conferences, and more. With a welcoming handshake, Graves has greeted policymakers from every arena, earning their respect as a trusted resource. Today, Black Enterprise is under the leadership of his son, CEO, Earl Butch Graves, Jr. The most important lessons I learned from my father was that he never put his family second. Because in his mind, success without sharing it with his family would not be success at all. Married 50 years to wife Barbara, with three sons and eight grandchildren, Earl G. Graves Sr. still made time to hold seats on the boards of major corporations. I think Earl Graves shares a common characteristic of our founder, Don Kendall. And Don Kendall believes that everyone in the company should be a salesperson, regardless of whether you're in finance or HR or marketing or whatever. And Earl Graves was a salesperson for PepsiCo every day. Um, I think the reason we got our products into American Airlines was because of Earl Graves. He's a long-standing civil rights activist, he holds 70 honorary degrees and is a committed champion of education. It gives me great pride to announce a pledge of $1 million to my alma mater, Morgan State His mission is to ensure that all Americans, including those of color, share in the American dream of equality and prosperity. This man has taken risk on behalf of all of us and has achieved greatly. And I think for that, we're all achieving more for it. Congratulations. All right, folks. And again, that was a video that was uh, put together by the folks at Black Enterprise. You heard in that video, Earl Graves Sr. talking about his alma mater, where he really got his business start at Morgan State University in Baltimore. Well, joining us right now is David Wilson. He is the president of Morgan State University. President Wilson, glad to have you on the show. Uh, Roland, thank you for having me on this evening. Uh, Earl was uh, in that other fraternity. We, we know what the real one is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, uh, but uh, it's so he uh, he really well, really loved Morgan State. I, I'm sorry, but can you repeat that? I we, said we, he we, I said he really really loved Morgan State University. Oh, I, I mean, um, uh, Earl Earl Gray Senior um, was the epitome, if you will, of the uh, Morgan graduate. He was the quintessential Morganite. He loved Morgan State, and Morgan State loved him back. Uh, I often say that um, in my 10 years as president at Morgan, and I have been in the company of Mr. Gray's, I mean, numerous times, I can count on one hand uh, when I've seen him, uh, and he did not have orange and blue on. I mean, he had the orange and blue bow tie, the blue blazer, and even would wear orange and blue checkered slacks. I mean, he really loved Morgan. Well, that, that and we I... loved him back, and 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 as um, you know, as I was making my way into the presidency at Morgan, I reached out to him as I was leaving Wisconsin. I'd never met him, uh, in, uh, and and reached out to him in 2010, and we had a great conversation. And and he said, you know, um, hmm, I think we should have regular conversations because it was a transition period, and so he and I spoke several times before I actually showed up at Morgan. And he gave me some wonderful guidance and great wisdom in terms of how to make sure that Morgan was connected to the business community. And then 
he came to Morgan and we had a personal conversation. Um, and at the end of the personal conversation, he wrote me a check. And he said, look, um, I have contributed to my alma mater over the years. Of course, he gave us a million-dollar donation, and at the time, that was the largest in our history. But he said, take this check, Mr. President, and use it to go to business functions in and around Baltimore and Maryland and the region when I know as a state institution you cannot use state money to do that. And I was so... Um, I was so so moved by the fact that he understood that as a university president, it was important for me to really have the ear of the business community. And so I certainly took advantage of that uh, and uh, began to go to function the Greater Baltimore Committee here in Baltimore and to increase the Morgan presence. Uh, but uh, I, I just really, really think very, very highly of Earl G. Gray Sr., uh, well, he certainly uh, did indeed love the university. Uh, it was is, it was interesting reading the backstory uh, of how uh, he really uh, took advantage of homecoming at Morgan State uh, by cutting <laughs> deals with local florists and reselling those flowers on campus. Uh, and so he was focused on making money real early. Yeah, real, real early. As a matter of fact, um, uh, you know, uh, a few years ago, as we were about to open um, a a $90 million building there at Morgan to house the Earl G. Gray School of Business and Management. Butch and the family invited me up to kind of go through many of the things that he had accumulated over the years. And so to see which of those things, of course, we wanted to bring and put on display in the building. So first of all, I was just overwhelmed with all of the honorary doctors that he had that he had received. Uh, but um, what Butch shared with me uh, was the original kit that he used as he was getting Black Enterprise Magazine uh, off the ground. And he would literally go door to door. He still had his briefcase and, and, and how he would go selling ads. And it was just incredible uh, to see that he had this acumen uh, for uh, entrepreneurship early on. And he often told me that when he came to Morgan from Brooklyn, uh, that um, he didn't really come to get the skills at Morgan uh, to go and, quote-unquote, work for somebody else, uh, that he wanted to start his own business and to be his own boss. Uh, and immediately he started a grass-cutting business and would tell me, yeah, I saved my little knuckles and saved my little dimes and, uh, and, and, and paid my way through Morgan in, in, in the process. So uh, he, was, he was really destined for greatness and destined for success. Uh, and our current students at Morgan, former students, alums, we just adore Earl G. Gray Sr. David Wilson, President of Morgan State University, I appreciate you joining us uh, for this uh, tribute to the life and legacy of Earl Graves Sr. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, folks. In 2006, uh, National Association of Black Journalists honored Earl Graves with their Lifetime Achievement Award. Here is that ceremony. Year history. The mission of Black Enterprise has always been to promote financial empowerment, encourage the establishment of minority-owned businesses, and highlight their accomplishments. No doubt, since its founding in 1970, that mission has been and continues to be accomplished. The face and visionary behind that brand is none other than Earl G. Graves, Sr. Taking a look back, Earl grew up in Brooklyn, New York. 
He went on to graduate from Morgan State University with a Bachelor of Arts in Economics. He then enlisted in the U.S. Army. After completing his enlistment as a captain in the Green Berets, he would serve as an administrative assistant to Senator Robert F. Kennedy. And here during the turbulent yet progressive time, also known as the Civil Rights Era, Earl's vision and passion began to take shape. He started developing his nationwide reputation in business by forming a management consulting firm to advise corporations and major multinational companies on urban affairs and economic development. And two years later, alongside the work of raising three little boys with his wife, Barbara, Earl founded Black Enterprise. Detailing the impact of black enterprise on the financial industry would like be trying to, like, trying to explain the Bible's significance on religion. Uh, the magazine has a readership of nearly 4 million nationwide and a paid circulation of half a million. By the end of this year, the magazine projects revenues will exceed $60 million. And that's before you even factor in its successful brand extensions from online features to golf tournaments to networking ski events. In a super competitive and rapidly changing magazine publishing industry, Earl has beat the odds and made black enterprise a model for business success. Now, earlier this year, Earl passed the torch of chief executive officer and president to his son, Earl Butch Graves, Jr., marking a milestone for the family-owned media company. But Earl Sr. remains as chairman and publisher. Now, it's certainly not a first night Earl has received a nod. He's gotten honorary degrees from over 60 colleges and universities. He received the NAACP's 1999 Spring Garden Medal, the Civil Rights Organization's highest achievement award for African Americans. Last year, NABJ recognized Black Enterprise for marking its 35th anniversary. This year, NABJ salutes the man who has had his finger on the pulse of the world of business for the last 36 years and has never let it go. For these reasons and more, NABJ is proud to present the 2006 Lifetime Achievement Award to Earl G. Graves, Sr. I first want to thank Brian Gumbel. I don't mean Brian Gumbel for that introduction. <laughs> Al Roker, right. We get even with each other almost every time we're on the stage. Thank you. Good evening. My sincere thanks to all of you for that warm reception. And thanks also to the leadership of the National Association of Black Journalists for bestowing upon me this award for lifetime achievement. I know that it helps to be 105 to be honored for one's life achievements. So I'm flattered that the NABJ has chosen to recognize me while I'm still young. I, I do need to share a short story. They gave me three minutes, but I figured three and a half, and it's okay. Uh, this morning, I was working out in the health club in the hotel, and there was a young man working out, and he was lifting weights and huffing and puffing. And I was glad when he left because it was depressing to see what he was doing and I was not. And then in comes another young man, and he looks up and he goes, Wow, Mr. Graves. I said, how are you? 
as I was on the machine doing the best that I could, uh, running. And uh, he said to me, wow, I never thought. I said, okay, fine. And then he said, uh, how old are you? <laughs> so I said, uh, 71. He said, wow, why are you working out? <laughs> so I, I said to him, uh, let me guess, you're on the hospitality committee of the organization, right? <laughs> anyway, true, absolutely true story. Uh, seriously, what this award tells me is that somewhere along the way, I was able to make a contribution. And the fact that I've been included in such a distinguished company uh, tells me that my contribution has mattered. Two of the great pioneers of African-American journalism were John B. Rustworm and Samuel E. Cornish, co-editors of Freedom's Journal the first African-American-owned and printed newspaper in the United States. And the journal's very first issue published in 1827, Russ Worm and Cornish printed these words, we wish to plead our own cause. Too long have others spoke for us. And these words rang true just as for me when I found the Black Enterprise magazine 36 years ago. My dream was a publication that represented it, empowered and spoke the truth about America's black business and professional class. To a degree, I think we've succeeded. And if I have, then many of the people who are here tonight representing black enterprise are part of that. And I'd like to ask them to stand. Alfred Edmund is leading the charge. Where, where are the black enterprise people? I told you guys to get your registration in early, you'd be up closer. You, that's what happened, right? Okay. To a degree, I think I've succeeded because of the young people represented here, just as a whole generation of African-American publishers, reporters, and editorialists succeeded in bringing a measure of true dignity to the African-American story. And yet I fear that those words published by Rushworm and Cornish so long ago still ring true today louder than ever. The nightmare of Katrina and its aftermath, the ongoing tragedy of the war in Iraq, the scourge of AIDS and the silent response within our community, the collapse of public education, the crisis of the African-American male. These and other issues are destroying the hopes and aspirations of a whole generation of our people. And with rare exception, I don't see the mainstream media asking why to the extent they should. I don't see elected officials being pressed hard for accountability, and I don't see enough stories that illuminate our experience in ways that are truthful, that inspire social change. That's why the efforts of the esteemed members of this association cannot go unrecognized. You shine the spotlight on the issues that we are, as a people are facing, both in the black media and the mainstream. Clearly, the moral imperative that drove our first African-American journalists is just as strong today as it was for today's generation. That didn't quite come out the way it was supposed to, but it's all right. My message, particularly for the young men and women here this evening, is to continue the legacy of social justice, embodied by those who came before you. Use your voice, your talent, and your influence to plead our cause. Because if you don't, the question is, who will? Thanks again for this award. I pledge to continue to you to strive to be the very best.
That was Earl Graves Sr. Uh, getting the NABJ Lifetime Achievement Award uh, in 2006. I had the pleasure, of course, in my uh, career as a journalist to meet Earl Graves Sr., to meet John A. Johnson, Ed Lewis as well. Uh, we've now lost Graves and Johnson, two of our pioneers. Uh, the bottom line is here, if, you're in, if you dedicate your life to be in black media, you can't help uh, but bow down to those figures, the work that they have done, the work that they did uh, to uh, advance black business along the signs of, of course, uh, Robert Abbott, who founded the Chicago Defender, A.I. Scott, who founded the Atlanta Daily World, and, of course, the folks who founded the Pittsburgh Courier, uh, Frederick Douglass and the North Star, and goes on and on and on. The reality is that we need a black enterprise in 1970. We need black enterprise in 2020. We need this show. We need others as well. Folks, I keep saying this repeatedly. We are now 23 years away from this nation being the nation majority of people of color. And we showed you the video earlier of all the black experts that we've had on this show talking about coronavirus over the last three weeks. More than 50 folks discussing it. The reality is now... Now that we're seeing the racial disparity numbers, someone tweeted this to me, the Dr. Fauci and others at the White House are now commenting on the racial disparities and the underlying reasons. Why is that important? Because they just did it today. Mainstream media just started talking about those numbers in the last 24 hours. We've been talking about those numbers for the past month. If you don't understand why black media is important, then you better understand this, and that is without black media, our stories are not centered. Our stories are not top of the line. They come behind everyone else. And so we certainly thank Earl Graves Sr. May he rest in peace for what he contributed uh, to African-Americans, to black business, but simply to America because Without black enterprise, you would not have the stories that were being focused and profiled. You would not have African-Americans rising in corporate America. The role that they play to force corporate America to promote African-Americans the same way you had Sam Lacey and others who promoted Jackie Robinson, exact same thing. We understand all of these things are linked. And so we certainly appreciate his life and legacy, which is why we wanted to do this tribute. He wouldn't get the uh, accolades properly in mainstream media, but that's why we exist here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Please support what we do. We're averaging 10 million views a month. We're, of course, growing on our YouTube channel, nearly 500,000. Of course, we live stream across all three platforms, YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. But your dollars make it possible. So please, please join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, you can, of course, hit us up on Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. You can hit us on, on PayPal. Go to RollingBartonUnfiltered.com and go to our Square account. Of course, we're sitting here greatly impacted by this coronavirus. It has an impact on, on us and our advertising dollars. So your dollars are going to make it possible for us to deliver you this kind of content every single day, which is why we are here. Thanks a bunch. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Holla!
every single night. We've got some of the top black experts. You're not going to see them on cable news or broadcast news because you swear black people aren't experts when it comes to this health crisis. That's why we have this show and why we do what we do every day on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Joining us right now is retired General Russell Honore, the nation's first black surgeon general, Dr. Jocelyn Elders, John Hope Bryan, he's the founder of Operation Hope, Senator Kamala Harris of California, Dr. Sadrina Calder, retired General Lloyd Austin, Congresswoman Karen Bass, Commissioner Omari Hardick, Bureau President in Brooklyn, Eric Adams, Dr. Joseph Graves, America's Wealth Coach, Deborah Owens, Dr. Corey A. Bear, Patel Salt. Uh, Howard University student, Pastor Jamal Bryant, a doctor, uh, Christy McDowell, Benja Ajilore, senior economist at the Center for American Progress, Gilda Daniels, again, author of the book, The Crisis of Voter Suppression in America. Four stars, General Kit Ward, Dr. Oliver Brooks, is president of the National Medical Association, president of the American Medical Association, Dr. Patrice Harris, Joby Benjamin, Dr. Alexia Gaffney, infectious disease specialist, Dr. George Benjamin, uh, executive director of the American Public Health Association, Malcolm Nance, family medicine physician Dr. Jen Caudle, Dr. Tashaka Cunningham, a molecular biologist, Kat Stafford. She's a national race and ethnicity reporter for the Associated Press. Dr. Wayne A.I. Frederick, uh, who is the president of Howard University, Congresswoman Yvette Clark uh, from the state of New York, William Springs, AFL-CIO economist, uh, Andrea James, executive director of the National Council for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. All right, let's go to Capitol Hill. Congressman Gregory Meeks, Congresswoman Anne Johnson of Texas, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Minnesota Amy Klobuchar, mental health clinician, Jamie Singletary, Prince George's County State's Attorney, Aisha Brayboy, as well as Dylan uh, Harry, ACLU Justice Division Strategist. Uh, Dr. Cindy Duke, uh, she's a virologist, Principal Steve Perry of Capital Prep. Health and wellness specialist, Dr. Yolandra Hancock, Desmond Mead, President of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, Cliff Albright, who is the co-founder of Black Voters Matter, Michael Harriet with the group, the Mina McWhorter, founder of Love by the Hand of Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, president, Merida Bennett College. Corner Michael Fowler is a mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, mental health therapist, Suzette Clark, Justin Gibney, attorney and political strategist, and Bishop Vincent Matthews Jr., Dr. Suzette McKinney, CEO and executive director of the Illinois Medical District, Dr. Leon Madugal, president-elect of the National Medical Association, Jana Bailey, mayor of Moss Point, uh, Mississippi, uh, Mario King. We're going to keep driving this thing to make sure our people are fully aware, safe, protected from coronavirus. You get the top medical experts, the top business experts, top political experts, top religious experts, because that's why we do what we do, unapologetically and unfiltered. Ain't nobody else in the black media space doing what we do. Watch Roland Martin Unfiltered daily at 6 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, or go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered Daily Digital Show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it.
Hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. Hi, this is Essence Atkins, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Hey yo, peace world, what's going on? It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Hi, my name is Brisha Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. If you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really? It's Roland Martin. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Hey fam, what you got? Roller Martin Unfiltered, the blackest show on all of digital cable and broadcast. Check out our audio podcast. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. Press play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought. In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at FisherHomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.